From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Alden Ehrenreich plays the coolest man in outer space, Han Solo, in the new Star Wars standalone film. But in real life, he's kind of a geek. When he came to the Chronicle, he spent like five minutes in our lobby reading some historical plaques on the wall. I gave him a tour of the newsroom, and he asked so many good questions about the history of the Chronicle, I almost forgot we were recording a podcast. He's the same way when we talked about Solo, a Star Wars movie, coming out on May 25th. Here's Aaron Reich talking about his internet research on the Millennium Falcon, pouring through real-life technical specifications for the fictional aircraft. The Bureau of Ships and Services is the uh, intergalactic uh, like DMV, basically, that you have to register your ship with. Uh-huh. So there's a tremendous amount. I mean, there's a there's a there's an instruction manual to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that they make, and it's not uh, a bunch of fun stories and adventures with a few things thrown in. It's an instruction manual for the Millennium Falcon, and that's it. <laughs> it's just every piece of hardware and machinery and all this kind of stuff and the whole thing so um yeah so there's there's a ton of uh ton of stuff out there we also talked about the media reports of chaos on the set what his first conversation with harrison ford was like and his first role which was in a movie with francis ford coppola he still keeps in touch with coppola and was actually texting him photos from our archive after the podcast i'm peter hartlob and this is the big event Welcome to the Chronicle. Thank you. Welcome to the Chronicle. So um, we're getting a look at uh, some photos here, yeah. and you, you seem like you're into this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, all these photos. I was just with uh, Francis Ford Coppola, who I put me in my first film. Yeah. And uh, I've always loved him as a filmmaker and his history, and so getting to see him and his pictures of him and his family and everything—it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, so I want to actually get to, you've done a couple of films in the Bay Area or with Bay Area filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, got a, you got a big one coming up. Um, yes. So I want to do a little Han Solo and then a little bit of Bay Area filmmakers and then Han Solo again. We're going to sure. do it like a sandwich. Is you that good? It. Yeah, that works great. Uh, first of all, you're just at the ballpark? Yeah, we were just at Giant Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. How do you like in San Francisco? How how was that for you? It's great. I always loved San Francisco. I grew up in Los Angeles, so I always uh, traveled up here. You know, every few years I'd end up here. I had friends up here, and I would come visit. Um, And, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to ask you, um, first of all, I think about Han Solo, and when I was a kid, it was like just every kid of my generation's dream to be Han Solo. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. you're kind of living that, so mm-hmm. I want to get into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. How did this start? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what's that first phone call like? Do you hear from an agent? Do you? Um... Well, I heard way long ago, before I was even auditioning for it, that they were going to make a Han Solo movie, and then uh, and then yeah, my agent said they're making it, and and sent me the sides for the audition. I read the sides for the audition, and my immediate reaction was just like. I loved their take on the character. I loved it. It was so fun. It was so funny. And I was just happy kind of as a film goer that this was the way the movie was going to feel. And um, so, yeah. So then I went in and and auditioned for it and auditioned for about six months, I think. Um, I went and I I was the first person 
to audition for the movie actually mm-hmm. and uh and then about uh my third screen test I did on the Millennium Falcon, which is pretty amazing and yeah i I'd have to think like you have to be thinking, what if I don't get this I mean was that an anxiety? Are you well, having bad dreams? In this case, for, at least in the beginning, you're just going on the presumption that you're not going to get it. Yeah. You know, I think it was like two, three thousand people auditioned for it or something, and you know that going in, that everybody's going to be trying to get this part. So you just my point of view on auditions in general and on this one too is like, well, I'm just going to go enjoy reading these, playing these scenes because I can't, I can't imagine I'm going to get this part. Yeah. Then you get into it a couple months, you know, you, you know. <laughs> You're it's down to four people or whatever, and you start going, oh, okay, well, I hope I get it. And you're trying to trying to take your mind off of it. Yeah, I'd have to imagine it's a pretty secretive process. Are you allowed to like call your mom or a friend and say, I was just on the Millennium Falcon? No, you're not allowed to do anything. In fact, when I got the part, I'm not allowed to tell anybody uh, for about three months. So I had the role. Um, you know, I told my family. Off, yeah. off the record, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, yeah, you don't tell anybody. And then it was released by deadline or something that I had the part, and I still couldn't tell anybody. It was still a secret. Yeah. So then people were coming up to me and congratulating me on it, and I couldn't say anything. <laughs> so yeah, um, prep. I mean, even going back to that original audition, are you just scouring every little bit of Star Wars that you can, or is it kind of the opposite, uh, trying to build your own thing? In the audition, I didn't do any of that because I didn't want, you know, I didn't, I wanted to, I think to do that in a good way and to incorporate that information takes time. Like for me, I just felt like if I looked at all that stuff during the audition process, then I'd be somehow trying to, and you don't have the time to really, make it your own yeah. when you did it. So I put that aside for the audition and just kind of played it. Um, and then I, yeah, when I got the part, I watched all the movies and read a bunch of stuff and did all that stuff. Cause you don't know how this world works and yeah. you kind of, it's so, you know, for instance, if your character wants a ship, you don't know what that really means. You know, everybody knows there's star Wars and their ships, but like I thought of it more like cars yeah. and it's not, it's like a, it's like having a yacht or it's really like having a, um, you know, like a home or something in a, in a war torn country. Um, so anyway, so you learn that kind of stuff along the way. And the good thing about star Wars is there's a phenomenal amount of resources. There's Wikipedia and there's so much stuff that's Canon or not Canon. And, even the non-canon stuff is, uh, you know, still valuable. So yeah. What were you? What were some surprising things that you learned during your Wikipedia searches or, or any other research you were doing? Um, I think that the the ships thing, um, and then also, um, you know, the music that like <laughs> so that's called jizz music. It's like okay. jazz music, but it's jizz, which okay. I didn't know that. Um, and then there's uh, what else did I learn? The Bureau of Ships and Services is the uh, intergalactic uh, like DMV, basically that you have to register your ship with. Uh-huh. So there's a tremendous amount. I mean, there's a there's a there's an instruction manual to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that they make, and it's not. Uh, a bunch of fun stories and adventures with a few things thrown in. It's an instruction manual for the Millennium Falcon, and that's it. <laughs> it's just every 
piece of hardware and machinery and all this kind of stuff and the whole thing. So, um, yeah, so there's there's a ton of uh, ton of stuff out there. You said the international, uh, the, the the Bureau of Ships and Services. Is that like you got to wait in long lines like the DMV? I is guess that, so. No, yeah. you register. You got a transponder code for your ship, <laughs> and then that's how they know which ship you're flying in on when you're going into a yeah. planet, and they know that your your ship is your own ship. And uh, and and smugglers will do fake transponder codes so that they can't be tracked through the galaxy. So who do you who do you call? I mean, is Lawrence Kasdan? Is there a call to Harrison Ford at some point? Um, I wanted to talk to Harrison more than anything, just to kind of you know um, get his blessing on the movie, and it just didn't feel right to go into it without having talked to him. Yeah. So. Him and I uh, had lunch in Los Angeles, which was great, and he was really gracious and warm and supportive of me, supportive of the movie, and yeah, it was very, very special. I I think of Star Wars, and I've I'm not going to tell you how many times I've seen the originals. Okay, and, and if, I'm I'm going to tell you this movie. Uh-huh. If it's good, I'm going to see it. Yeah, like six times in the theaters <laughs> if it's bad, I'll still see it three times. Okay, all right. So that's where we're at. I think of like. It's all about the chemistry between you and Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. How did that go? I mean, yeah. uh, you, we have a new Chewbacca actor. I think Peter uh-huh. Mayhew's a consultant. Yeah. And uh, did you guys hit it off? Was that? Yeah, we we spent a lot of time. You know, when you do these movies too, there's a lot of training to do the stunts and everything. So we spent a lot of time together doing that. We played video games in his hotel room and stuff. He's got a bed, and he has to get an extra bed put at the foot of the bed because he's so tall. And this is Finnish actor, basketball Jonas player. Jonas Swatomo. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and he is really astounding because he, yeah, he did, I think, early on. This is, he's been a part of it for three movies. He's done yeah. a lot of it already. He was the most experienced of any of us with the Star Wars universe, but he knows how to move like Chewie. He knows how Chewie thinks. He knows how to do the voice. He knows all these things. You don't realize how much is going on because you don't just put the suit on and walk around. You have to, it's all this specific, very technical stuff. And you have to be expressive in with very little means of expression. You know, you're in a mask and constantly you're doing a close-up and they're saying okay do do a reaction now you're kind of more surprised uh-huh. or now you're more uh now really wry now a sarcastic one and it's like there's not it's pretty tough to do yeah and he did an amazing job of it and being in those scenes with him felt like being with an actor and um and i think one of the really fun parts of this movie and the and the heart of this movie in some ways is that relationship getting to see how that relationship begins getting to see how it builds getting to see all the all the ways in which they first got to know each other and i think my experience when i did when i watched like one through seven was that when i got to a new hope which you know that obviously it's like you know started it all it was still informed and deepened and enriched by watching episodes one two three like it was you understood the background more and it kind Mm -hmm. of so i think this movie Watching this movie and then watching Empire and have, having Lando and Han talk about their past scrapes and, you know, et cetera, and having an image for all those those things, it, it enriches uh, the whole the whole saga. Yeah. Um, I, I thought Donald Glover, he seems like he'd be a good hang. Am yeah. I, am I? No, you're right. He's yeah. great. He's so funny. 
Uh, him and I got along great from the very beginning when he was testing, and we just, um, I, I have a great time with yeah. him. He's a super, he's, he's brilliantly intelligent and um, has very, very interesting ideas and is very fun and, and just a really sweet guy. So you mentioned you can't say anything during the audition process. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're in a similar position during the filming, and I know they oh, switch yeah. directors in the middle, and there's all these mm-hmm. things going out there. Is, is it a relief to be able to huge talk relief. about some of that now? It, it's a huge relief. It feels like, yeah, I mean, literally you're, yeah, it feels great to, to kind of be able to talk about the movie, and, and it feels great to put it out there, yeah. Because if you're reading it, just mm-hmm. what's out there. It, uh-huh. it sounds like, yeah. you know, oh my God, this. I know. There's disastrous things going totally. on. From your point of view, <laughs> what 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 were you seeing? Well, you know, I feel like part of the drama and fun of every Star Wars movie that's happened, I believe, on almost every single one, is some kind of huge dramatic thing that comes out in the press beforehand, and everything's, you know, it's kind of by the nature in the DNA of these movies for them to be challenging. Um, and yeah, you know, like the the Phil and Chris who who cast me in the role and uh, I loved working with, and I think they're wonderful directors. And then they just didn't see eye to eye with the studio, basically. Yeah. And uh, they, I think, basically what they said, you know, of creative differences was really the truth. And they just had a slightly different vision for the film. And then Ron came on and 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 was wonderful and and really honored a lot of the stuff we'd already done. He spent time with Phil and Chris. Uh, he uh, really took over and 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 took what we'd already done and and then made it made the movie very much his own. How did it feel when Ron Howard comes on? You you seem to be just blessed with all these great directors. You worked with Coppola twice and Warren yeah, Beatty and that's great. I, he he was he was he's wonderful. He's yeah. he's he was an actor. He understands actors very well. He's just a really and he has this enthusiasm like uh, like a like he's a kid out of film school and that's infectious. Yeah, yeah. I I gotta say we're down in the Chronicle archive. Um, that's so cool. A lot of history here. You you lit up though when I brought you the Francis Ford Coppola yeah, yeah. file. Yeah. And, uh, you your first two. Roles, uh, your yeah. first major role, certainly. My first was movie him. ever was, yeah. was my was with was Tetra with Francis, and I guess my second movie was with him too. I guess that's true. I never th- realized that, but um, yeah. And I went to Argentina and spent four months with him. And I was I was in high school. I was eighteen. I was seventeen when I auditioned. I was eighteen when we shot it, and he was my mentor and and kind of. Uh, this uh, wonderful introduction into filmmaking because his movies are so personal. We had one, one truck, I think. No one had trailers. It was it was like a this... sprinter, white sprinter van that he fit all of his stuff yeah, on. Can exactly. I, say, I interviewed sure, him. Sure, I interviewed sure. Him. Sorry, I don't want to take That's over the right, interview. That's all right, please. But uh, uh, he he had this white Dodge van mm-hmm. when he started doing the Rain People in his early movies, and he could fit all of his stuff on there, including yeah. like the cranes. Yeah. So when he was made all this money with the the wineries he wanted to recreate that so yeah he spent this small amount of money for this little sprinter van and then spent this huge amount of money to bring it to argentina and then and i think he brought it to another location yeah but yeah uh, but you were there romania (laughs) yeah and we didn't have we didn't have we had it didn't have things that now you would think well there's that you can't make a movie unless you like trailers like we didn't have trailers so I would sit on his lap 
sometimes between takes and just ask him questions about movies and hang out with him and uh and ha- this whole education from him and and that was such a wonderful way to see kind of like filmmaking and the heart of filmmaking at its raw essentials and yeah. and now with the technology that exists in the world like you don't need most of the equipment you don't really need those things to make a movie you know you, you might need them to make a, a big action movie but it's tremendous how i mean the availability that anyone can anyone really can make a movie like yeah. if they just put their mind to it and that's i think really uh, an incredible moment to be living in because we'll get stories from so many people who didn't have who had to who just didn't have access to that kind of um the ability to do that in the past what, what kind of advice did he give to you it's hard to even pinpoint because it's so much. Um, I could like write a small book about it. Yeah. I think the real uh, takeaway for me though is 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 um, is more of him as an example. It's his spirit of experimentation, his love of of film, his love of uh, of the possibilities of film, and I think also just the ability to think in a very um, in a way that's his own and not not take the things that people told him were limitations or or this is how you're supposed to do this or these are the conventions and not taking them not 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 believing in them not buying into that and just doing things his own way and making films that were personal and mm-hmm. um and his sort of his sort of I, uh, utopian kind of vision of what film could be is so inspiring to be around and still is i told you i was with him a couple i spent the last few days with him at the vineyard um and it was just, just it's the same, same thing, same, yeah. ins- same inspirational feeling. Walking away from it. Do you? You've worked with uh, Beatty, Woody Allen, um, and uh, Coppola, and now Ron Howard, and and um, is that your bucket list? Or <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I mean, it's really crazy. I've gotten to work with these people who I admire so much, and and also were some of like my very favorite favorite filmmakers. Yeah. And that's really the joy of what I've gotten to do is work alongside great people that I can learn from, and and just have such a wonderful time doing that. You mentioned the Bay Area. Um, mm-hmm. Were you able to film here for Blue Jasmine and uh, Twixt? Yeah. Blue Jasmine, we filmed one scene here. In Oakland, and I think. Beautiful Oakland, California. E- I don't remember. <laughs> we filmed at some house. I was only in a few days, but we filmed at some house, and then we filmed at a music store in San Francisco. Yeah. I forgot about that until you just said that. Um, Twixt, we filmed near near Coppola's Napa State, and we filmed on this lake, and I was like the leader of a goth gang, yeah. and it was a whole real group of goths from San Francisco that had come up there and basically set up tents and slept there, so we kind of had the shoot turned into a, a camping experience with all these goths in this little town, and it was yeah. very cool, nice. fishing on the lake and stuff. Well, Han Solo... Um, yeah. Are you getting recognized yet? There've been two trailers. And, yeah, and a uh, little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more. Like the, the last couple of weeks, I can feel it uh, just a slightly more. You might like not be able to tell me this, but you can give me a little nod. Did uh-huh. you? Did you? Were you able to take anything? Costume? Yeah, I took a jacket. anything from the set. I took, I took one of nice. my jackets. Yeah, which which I one? Loved so much. My suede brown jacket that I wear in the movies. I the 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 costume. Uh, designers david and glenn are just like incredible yeah. and uh 
they uh, all the costumes in the movie I loved very much. So what do you want to say to the people who are coming into this standalone yeah. story? Trailers look good, but yeah. maybe a little nervous coming in. Sure. Han Solo. Well, I think it's just a great adventure story. I think it's kind of like a biopic of a fictional character. You know, you get to see him become this guy. You, you. I think it's a really fun adventure movie. I think even if it wasn't a Star Wars movie, it still um, would be th- that fun, great time at the at the movies. Um, it would. It's definitely the movie I think I'd be most excited about it as a Star Wars fan because I loved like the Cantina world and the underworld and the smugglers and the aliens and all this stuff. So I, um, yeah, I think I think people will enjoy it. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you for coming to the Chronicle. Thank you. You it's said so nice things about newspapers too on the oh, way yeah. in, which I appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. No, it's real. It's fun to be in a building like this and see the floor, and I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. For having me. Thank you very much. Cool. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to my guest, Alden Ehrenreich. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to the Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S.